right, here we go. It is a Monday edition, January 3rd, 2022. Park Sportsbook presents Stick to Hockey Live. And uh, we're about to get underway. Uh, Nick Alberga, who does some work for Sportsnet, great fantasy content. We're going to talk to him in just a moment. But let me tell you about our sponsor, Park Sportsbook, because it's so easy to use. It's not your your old man's gambling anymore. You can bet on player performance. You can bet on same-game parlays. You can bet first to score, who's going to score, exact score, all kinds of stuff in hockey. We'll give you some coming up in just a little bit. It's been a little disjointed with the crazy schedule, but make sure you download the app on uh, your iPhone or your Android. Easy to use. Uh, I can I can put in plays while I'm doing the show. That's how easy it is to use. And you can collect in 2022 on this brand new $500 risk-free bet. So make sure you sign up, get in on the risk-free bet up to $500 and give Parks a follow on all the different social media channels at Parks Sportsbook on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. It's all get great content, a lot of content, and you'll also get uh, some de- daily deals, all kinds of stuff. So make sure you check out Parks Sportsbook. It's so easy and you're going to uh, love using it. And uh, it makes the games like a game you really don't even care about it's going to make it a lot more fun uh, to get in on the action as well so check it out again park sportsbook on ios or and download it and get that 500 risk-free bet there's a lot to get into in this episode there's gonna be a lot to talk about a lot of different angles of discussion because uh the league is back in a new year it's a hopefully 2022 is where the nhl gets a lot closer to normal maybe even ending on time relatively on time or with at least what they planned but let's bring him in right now he does uh, some writing and fantasy work for sportsnet formerly of nhl network radio on sirius xm it is nick alberga nick what's going on not too much uh, jason just hanging in there and looking forward to another week here in the nhl it's so it's so great to have the games back at least how are you are you doing more broadcasting from the house than anywhere else yeah, pretty much. Uh, it's become pretty much remote at this point in time, man. You, we're, we're back. We're entering a lockdown again in Toronto on Wednesday. So it just never ends, my man. How restrictive is this lockdown for you guys? Uh, so, yeah, I'm a little disappointed. I won't be on it. I'll be honest. Uh, you know, the gyms are closing once again. Uh, indoor dining. Uh, can't play sports anymore, like, you know, beer league hockey and stuff like that. Can't go to games. So pretty much a lockdown without calling it a lockdown. Oh, man. And <laughs> so the youth hockey will, will all get paused as well, right? Yeah, no, that's exactly it. Uh, I play beer league hockey. That's been shelved. Uh, and they're saying this is going into effect on uh, Wednesday at uh, 12 a.m. Eastern time. And I think goes till at least January 26. So it's like it feels like square one all over again, like Groundhog Day, you know? Yeah. And like beer leaguers, like I still play beer league too. Yeah. And you know, you, you go out and you don't play for a month and you go out and you just oh. you absolutely rip die, man. You're like, Oh my God, I can't breathe. It's <laughs> the worst. It's the worst feeling in the world. Like even skipping a week at this age, uh, it, it feels like you haven't played three years. So I, I can only wonder what I'm going to be like in a month. We'll say that. Yeah. I'm knocking on the door of 52 and I'm like, oh man, the calendar turned to 2022 and I'm like, oh shit, this is the year I turned 50. <laughs> but it is what it is. Not everybody gets there. So that's, that's the good part about it. Uh, let's talk about your hometown team first and, and the Leafs, because we all know the storyline, Nick, it's, it's pretty mm-hmm. simple. It's this team can be a wagon in the regular season, but they get to the postseason. They haven't won a round. Is this year going to be different for the Leafs? 
Well, I think they hope so, uh, but having covered the team for the last couple of years, I can tell you, uh, even in two short years of being the uh, radio host for the Maple Leafs, I saw a lot, and uh, that included uh, a couple choke jobs, uh, one to Columbus, one to the Montreal Canadiens. So I think we're at a point where Toronto's, uh, you know, I like to call them, um, you know, one of the best um, regular season teams in recent, mem- recent memory. But last time I checked, you win the Stanley Cup in the springtime, Uh, close to the summer when it matters most. So I think they're an excellent regular season team. I think obviously there's room to grow when it gets to the Stanley Cup playoffs. And just the fact that we're pushing on two decades without winning a playoff series, I think you start there instead of pushing out some narrative that you're going to win a Stanley Cup and making Amazon series and stuff like that. So um, I'm I'm in the community, and maybe it's a smaller community than than most, where it's like, okay, I know what you're going to give me in the regular season, but... What are you going to do when there's no time and space in the playoffs is my question. Yeah, well, let me ask you, because, you know, the team, you're waiting to get to the playoffs every year. They're a team that knows they're going to make it for the most part, and you're just waiting for the playoffs. But are the ghosts of those 20 years and not winning around in the playoffs with so many great players, too? I mean, Austin Matthews, Marner, yeah. I mean, you're talking about some really good players over that period of time, more recently, and even going back. Do those ghosts seem to haunt these players even though 20 years ago it had nothing to do with them well they 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 say it doesn't but like how could it not right like i I think you look at numbers you look at 1967 you look at 0405 the last time they won a playoff series and you know well every player in this day and age and we know this even in philadelphia they'll say all the right things i just don't buy it for a second and i think it shows and the proof is in the pudding and what's happened in the postseason even in the last decade because the narrative that they were trying to put out there as well was, oh, it's not the same Boston Bruins team. It's not the same Maple Leafs team. And yet again, they lost to the Boston Bruins. So I think, you know, it's it's, it's very similar in people. And I think it is fair in angling it this way. It's very similar to like Washington uh, getting over that hurdle known as the Pittsburgh Penguins. And then once they did so, it like, it like paved the way for everything else. So I don't want to go as far as to say that the Leafs win a series are going to win the Stanley Cup, but I think it could go a long way in sort of opening things up for this team because every time they get to the postseason, I know the last couple of years have been a lot different, especially here in Canada. You know, just having the confidence that, hey, we can do this. Hey, we can score in the playoffs, number one, because last spring was a miserable time for Mitch Marner specifically. You know, getting that confidence, I think, goes a long way. And you could say that for every team. We're, we're still talking about it in this country, the run that Montreal Canadiens went on, right? Yeah. I mean, they go all the way to the cup final. They're the last team to win a cup north of the border back in 93. Nick, one of the things, I remember talking to Carter Hart about it, and you know, the goalie graveyard of Philadelphia. And he goes, that has nothing to do with me. So he's like, I can't worry about it because it has nothing to do with me. A lot of that was before he was even born, oddly enough, because he's so young still. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but but you look at in Toronto and you just mentioned Marner, and it he had a tough postseason last year. And things got pretty nasty up there, didn't they, with Mitch Marner? Oh. Social media especially because, you know, that's people just typing, typing shit in and they don't care what it says. And yeah. there's no repercussions for what you say to a guy. Hey, like, you know, I'll say this, though. This is what you sign up for for playing in this market. Philadelphia's along those lines as well. Um, You know, I I don't think Mitch Marner puts himself in a very good position. We'll say that. Like, the story comes out a day after he's golfing, like 12 hours after the loss. So you you couldn't wait a couple extra days. Like, it's it's little things like that, but it's also one of those things having – you know, being somebody who has grown up in the place in Toronto, in the area, Mitch Marner should know what he's dealing with. Uh, 
So it, it's definitely one of those things where he's had to deal with it a lot openly. Um, you know, the struggle uh, internally when it comes to social media. And I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying it comes with playing in this market and the pressure you feel. And last time I checked Austin Matthews, who Mitch Marner feels he's right there with, um, has been able to live up to the expectation and the pressure and evolve his game. I think we do forget that. You know, there's a reason why Mitch Marner gets a lot of the blame in the Stanley Cup playoffs and Austin Matthews to a degree hasn't because he knows how to evolve his game and play a different brand and a different style that Mitch Marner is very one-dimensional in how he plays. And while it's effective in the regular season, not so much um, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So he, among other people, are looking to change the way they do things in the postseason. And if they don't, well, I think there's going to be a change in Toronto, Jason. Yeah, there has to be because you can't just keep repeating the same thing over and over again with the same people. Yeah. Let me ask you, I had this idea. It's kind of a crockpot idea, but for the All-Star game, since the players aren't going to the Olympics, and mm-hmm. I think they should do an All-Star like four-team tournament round robin type thing not three on three though i'm so burned out on the three on three <laughs> but have all the canadian teams there's an all-star team so mcdavid can play with matthews and you know dry on that team and thatcher demko and, and jack campbell and all the canadian teams they form an all-star team north of the border that's going to take on a team from the west coast a midwest team and an east coast team so like a, a flyer player can be on the same team with zibanejad you know mm-hmm. and, but and they have like regionalized jerseys since they're not doing an Olympics. It's not your country that you're playing for because we know a lot of, you know, players in Philadelphia and, and the Rangers, they're from Canada, but they would be playing for your region. You like that idea? Yeah. Like I think any way to spice up the all-star game in general, yeah. I think is a welcome site for me. Uh, you know, as somebody who's covered a couple and been to them, I could tell you the, uh, the parties that go on after are much better than the product you get on the ice, but that, that, that's the expectation, right? Like, I think any way to adapt and, you know, that's the the biggest takeaway from this is like even getting quotes earlier today from John Cooper, who spoke to Pierre Lebrun, just the the devastation, um, which is easy to say because these guys are multimillionaires, but the devastation of, of not being able to live an opportunity, a dream, I would think as a coach to lead your country at the Olympics, um, obviously has been taken hard by a lot of these guys, the players, the coaches, clearly with John Cooper and, I think that's the human element that we sometimes forget uh, in media as having a massive impact. But again, um, you know, the the NHL and the PA had it worded in their contract, uh, you know, material breach of the schedule. And we got to that point. So I don't know if I particularly agree with the players coming out and complaining at this point. Yeah, Marshan did that, and it was like, yeah. you, you collectively bargained this. And you, <laughs> exactly. I mean, look, I feel bad for, like, Stamkos. Like, he's an all, all-time great player, and yeah. he hasn't been to been able to play for his country because of exactly. injuries in the past and everything else. Let me ask you about McDavid and the Oilers because, man, they got off to such a good start, Nick. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they were a team in the beginning of the year going, whoa, this is really, really, this is different. This is impressive. Tippett's got that team moving in the right direction. They're buying in on the little elements, they're going to be a team to really look out for, but they've really hit a skid here. They've only won two games of their last 10, and they don't look like that team from earlier this season. Is this just the ebbs and flows of a long season for them, and they're in a rough patch, or is it a real concern when you look at the Edmonton Oilers? Well, let me put it this way. I left a tweet out, someone make a trade. How about someone make a save? Uh, yeah. It's we're, we're at like, you know, we're at this point every season with Oiler hockey where I think you're wasting away uh, some generational talent, clearly, in Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. 
And we've got to a point where they need to make a trade. I, I think if they're serious, which I think they should be about winning and doing something substantial this year, not just making the playoffs, but winning in the postseason, they need to address their goaltending situation. But again, I don't envy the job of, of Ken Holland. Like the cap situation is is really, really tight as it is around this league in this uh, this flat cap era, if you want to call it that. But I think, you know, the biggest thing I've taken away from this little uh, swoon that they're on is the goaltending. Mike Smith comes back. He centers 10 goals in, in two games, gets hurt again. Mikko Koskinen has pretty much proven that he's a pretty solid backup goalie, but when you you give him the brunt of the starts, he just can't do it. Stuart Skinner is a relative unknown in this league. So I think it's paramount, again, that if, if Edmonton is legit about winning this year, they got to go out there. I don't know if it's going to be a Marc-Andre Fleury. Maybe it's a Eunice Corposalo with Columbus. They they You would have to think they're doing a due diligence right now ahead of the deadline, looking at the market and saying, hey, we have to upgrade in this position, especially on the back end as well. I think they need a defenseman as well, but they it's definitive in my world, at least. They need a goalie. So uh, I'm intrigued to see what they do because I, I just don't think they can stand power right now. Yeah, I don't I don't know how they entered the season with Mike Smith and Koskinen again. I'm mm, like, no money. Yeah, and, and part of that though is that Connor McDavid is eating up a huge percentage of the cap, and yeah. you know you got to wonder can can you win a cup and build a team that can win a cup when you have one player or a couple of players making so much of that percentage? Like Toronto is in the same boat, mm-hmm. so many forwards, but you need D and you need the mid, you know, you need mid level role players to win the cup. We saw that in Tampa; that's what made them yeah. absolutely ridiculous, is that they had every element that it, it takes to win the cup and. If you don't have those elements, I don't think you win anymore. That that speaks to how good Tampa is, though, Nick. I mean, yeah. when we look back on Tampa, they, I mean, they're at the break, at the Christmas break, they had the best record in the league. After back-to-back cups, no point, no Kucherov, no problem. This team, I think we're going to look back and go, this is one of the top three teams of my lifetime in, in, since the 70s. You know what's fascinating about Tampa? Nobody uses the word dynasty which um, obviously is something we've used a lot in, say, the last 15 years, the Los Angeles Kings, the Chicago Blackhawks. We're getting to that point with Tampa. Now, granted, obviously, they couldn't get over that hurdle multiple times, but now the fact that they have, and they just possess X factor after X factor. Like, that's my takeaway with that team is like, oh, yeah, if you you don't have those two big boys up front, you still have Stamkos, you still have Palat, um, you know, you still have your role players like Corey Perry after that. Oh, well, here's Ryan McDonough. Oh, yeah, here's Victor Hedman. For my money, the best defenseman in hockey right now. And then after that, how about the number one goaltender on the planet right now? And Andre Vasilevsky, who at 27, is already a Hall of Famer. Just go look at his credentials. Like, it's just hit after hit after hit. And that's what I think makes Tampa such a difficult team uh, to play in the regular season, the Stanley Cup playoffs. It just seems like, you know, I, I always like to correlate it to, like, Putty and Power Rangers. It's just next man up. Every time a guy goes down, um, a guy you've never heard of steps up, Boris Kachuk, Ross Colton. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on of players over the years. Yanni Gord that has just elevated their roles and their games. And and that's what makes that team so difficult. While you always wonder if they have depth, it's always a new guy who comes up from the AHL. But, you know, that's the thing is, is that they have the ability to possess, you know, Kucherov and Point, who are probably top 10 players, I would say, in this game right now. Victor Hedman's another one. And then you have Andre Vasilevsky. It's a rarity in this day and age. And on top of that, I probably could argue they get paid less than they should. Yeah, but they, they don't have income tax, so they can afford to do exactly. it. So they actually bring yes. home more money. You think that's – I've argued this for years, that I think that that does impact oh, yeah. teams and, and the ability to sign players. You know, you take a team discount because you're ultimately you're going to bring home more money because of the tax situation. 
Look, I, you know, for instance, I I know this and not a humble brag, but like I know a player who on his no trade list or trade list, if you will, is all teams, uh, you know, like yeah. Dallas, Florida, Tampa. Like it, it makes oh, yeah. sense. Like, you know, it, you know, I, I know not every guy is well on the same, but I think money is part of the process and the situation. So I guarantee you uh, it makes it difficult uh, for teams trying to acquire players when they're in markets such as like Montreal or Toronto, for that matter. We'll say that. Do you think that's part of the reason why there hasn't been a cup one north of the border since 93? No, I just, it's just been what it's been. Um, you know, I think Canada has obviously got tremendous talent right now. Like you even, you know, take nothing away from Montreal. They had Carey Price, still one of the better goaltenders on this planet. When, when, when healthy, they made an, uh, you know, unbelievable run. You look at Edmonton, you look at the depth of Winnipeg, Calgary's had a fantastic year. Like there's some good players and some good teams, but it just shows you, Jason, how how truly difficult it is to win the Stanley Cup. Like I think yeah. I think we do forget that, and also the fact that this league continues to grow and grow and grow and grow. Back in the day, when these Canadian teams are winning cups, there was like six, eight teams. Like there was nobody in this league, right? So I think you add in more, your chances dwindle a bit more and more and more. But I just I just think it shows you how difficult it is to truly win a cup. We've seen a couple coaching changes and no more more pronounced than what Vancouver did. They just extended Travis Green, right? And then yeah. they, they they zip him as they have to, and they bring in Bruce Boudreaux. We, what do we know about Bruce's team? They're going to score. And yep. he comes in, they win seven straight. I mean, the team is just, they finally lose a game to, to Los Angeles the other night in the shootout. They get a point out of it. But that's a team I don't think anybody wants to see if they do get into the playoffs because of the way they're playing right now and how much the narrative has changed. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, I wondered why it took them so long. Like, I, I you, who didn't see this coming, right? This 8 one yeah. role under Bruce Boudreaux. Like, I felt like they had waited too long to make the move. Like, I think you've pretty much figured out that, hey, this GM's not working. You know, by and parcel, this coach is not working. Let's make changes and you know, sweep across the board. And Eureka, uh, this team has won, you know, their 8 and one in the last nine games. Like, it's you're right. Like, I, I think, you know, if they do squeak in there, obviously they're going to have to continue to win games. And I think that's the key is beating teams that are ahead of them, teams that are in their division as well, like Los Angeles and Anaheim and, you know, teams at that oak. But if they get in there, that that's, you know, the wrong team to play because they're riding high. And I'm already starting to draw some correlations a bit to a degree, like what St. Louis did a couple of years ago. Granted, yeah. it took the Blues like a couple months, if we do remember, where they really, really slumped off the bat with Craig Bruby. Some guy named Jordan Bennington was called up and the rest was history. But I think Vancouver has the ingredients to be a successful team. Uh, they got the scoring. I think you're so right on Bruce Boudreau, always able to provide offense. His big boys always score. They got the back end. I think it's always a work in progress and led, of course, by Quinn Hughes. And then the most important thing, as you know, in Philly as well, the goaltending. Thatcher yeah, Demko is an absolute stud. So I think they have the pieces in, in, in place to be a successful team this year. And we'll see if they can come back into this picture. Yeah, I remember talking to Chief after they won the cup. Um, yeah. I had him on, and and he said, you know, you can be a good team and everything, but you need to get some breaks go your way. He actually had that that play against Vegas go against them, but he used that to bring the group together in that one game and found mm -hmm. a way to get it done. It all started here in Philly on January eighth when Bennington made that yes. first start. He goose egged yeah. the Flyers, I think three nothing, and that Gloria in the the little crappy yeah. bar in South Philly that that was the rallying cry. <laughs> It's, uh, you know, and it's funny you bring up St. Louis. Uh, I don't know how you feel about them. And you were talking about the futures market earlier on. Like, I, I like the Blues again this season. Um, yeah. They looked excellent in the winter class. Cam Talbot didn't as much. Speaking of former Edmonton Oilers goalies. But 
You look at St. Louis, I don't know if many people expected this team as we speak right now, 19-9-5, first place in the Central Division, especially with teams like Colorado, Minnesota, and all those teams in that division. I've been super impressed. And we talked about the pace scale of maybe a successful team. How about St. Louis? Because they've they've elected to go a different route where it's like, we're going to throw a billion guys at you that might make five, six, seven million bucks as opposed to the one guy who makes 11, 12, 13 million. Yeah. And to their credit, I think depth seems to win out in this day and age. They got the goaltending. They got the back end, even without Alex Petrangelo. Now Tori Krug's had a much better year, but I've been just so marveled by their depth up front. I think they're a tough team to play against. Yeah. And they're the case study of, you don't need a global superstar to win. And Mm -hmm. You know, you look at somebody, I mean, Ryan O'Reilly's a great player. And Tarasenko is, I don't know what's going to happen there with Tarasenko. Mm-hmm. Apparently he still wants out, but we'll see. Um, let, let, let me ask you about the Flyers, because I'd love to get your point of view from outside the city of Philadelphia. I mean, last year was just an absolute mess, Nick. I mean, it was ugly. It was, I mean, it it really was bad. That month of March was hideous. They gave up the most goals in the league. Bouncing back this year from the goaltending department with Martin Jones and obviously Carter Hart. Mm-hmm. But what's your perception of this team? I mean, they have a 10 game winless skid, but they have wins over teams on the road like Carolina, a 2 1 win, a win over Washington. They've beaten Boston. They beat Edmonton in the beginning of the year when Edmonton was tearing through everybody. They don't make much sense. They're a bit of a bipolar team, but what's your perception of what the Flyers are right now? I mean, to me, they lack a little bit of identity. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I think it's like they found out last year that I actually picked them to win the Stanley Cup. I, I was I was bullish on Philadelphia last year. I was bullish on them again this year. Um, I, I just wonder how much Matt Niskanen truly meant to that organization and that team. Like, I know people like to go back to that narrative and that angle and say, hey, they lost him. They've been a different team. I just think defensively, you know this. Um, they're a work in progress, we'll call it. I think Carter Hart has been fantastic this season. I've watched a lot of Flyers hockey. I think for the most part, he's been excellent. And especially with Alain Vigneault still at the helm, like he was getting no support defensively in home plate there. Like it was scary watching Philadelphia, just the 10 bell opportunities the opposition was getting. Now we'll see what they can put together under Mike Yo. I think we saw the initial boost of getting a new coach and a new fresh voice behind the bench. Um, I don't know how sustainable that is long-term, um, I wonder about the depth scoring as well, especially now with Son- Sean Couture out week to week. Um, can Morgan Frost elevate his game? Can can Kevin Hayes do so? I think Joel Farabee has been much better the last little while since coming back. Claude Giroux, I mean, is this the, you know, the final hurrah, if you will, for G in Philadelphia? You know, by the way, he's my favorite player, has been for a long period of time. Um, I think we could see a substantially different Philadelphia team going forward if they can't figure this out this season. But I still like them. Like, I, I still think they have some pieces that can make them successful. Just the unfortunate thing is they're in the Metro and you pretty much have to win every game or you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, those those top spots in the division, like racing for one of those. They're they're in a wild card race. They are yeah. not in one of those Agreed. top three seats. It's just it's too much. The math is too much against them, even with what, 50, 51 games left or whatever, 50 games left. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Let me ask you about Giroux, because in this city in Philly, he's a bit of a Odd, it's odd, Nick. He's a bit of a polarizing athlete. There's a an uneducated portion of the fan base, is what I call them, that thinks he's overrated. I think the guy is underrated. And just because he doesn't have the team success in his captaincy, a lot of people hold that against him. But last I checked, he didn't sign Chris Vandevelde. He didn't, you know, some of these guys that they had in here. Forgot uh, about him. You know, <laughs> it, 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 I mean, he had to drag some of these guys to try and even get to the playoffs. 
But w- when you look at Giroux and the totality of his career, now second all-time in the Flyers' points, uh, just behind Bob Clark, he surpassed Bill Barber the other day, and 600 assists, most power play points in the NHL since 2010. What's the perception of him from outside Philadelphia? I could almost guarantee you Drew was sitting home at Christmas uh, wishing for Vladimir Tarasenko to be under his tree on, on the yeah. 25th. Uh, I, I just think he's been missing that guy ever since, like, Scott Hartnell, right? Like, it's been that long where G's had his man, and he – you know, even the chemistry he built over the years with Jake Voracek obviously went a bit stale, and I still wonder about that deal one-for-one one with, with Cam Atkinson. They really haven't done, in my, in my opinion, enough to support Claude Giroux around him. But I, I think you're right. And by the way, you know this, but like I'm in the department where I think he's underrated. I was uh, very disappointed over the years in some of the snubbings and how he wasn't being involved in conversations for the national squad when I just think you look at the player, you know, first his meaning to that organization and that city and the way he plays the game um, on both sides of the puck, I think is severely underrated. Maybe that's just me saying that because I'm obviously a massive Claude Giroux fan, but I think he's just a guy who's never perceived as an upper echelon player. And I think that's unjust because again, the point production could suggest that and just the all-star games and the potential and what he means to that team. So I'm very curious, uh, you know, who knows if Philadelphia is not in a playoff spot, if they're struggling to make the postseason, does he become available? I know he's been linked to, uh, you know, a team around his hometown, like the Ottawa senators. I think it's time to make a big time decision for this organization. And uh, I think obviously they're having these conversations, but you know, he, he's been so big for that team. There's no doubt about that. I could see him jumping into that Colorado lineup. Mm. at the deadline if they're out of it i mean think about that and then he goes from a situation too, nick like you live in toronto you know what the the hype that comes with just having that c on your sweater yeah that he goes to colorado and he's not the guy that's got to stand in front of the media every day he's not the focal point you got mckinnon you got mccarr you got all that there already he can go there and just play hockey i think they'd be liberating as hell for him Oh, like I, I can name a couple teams I would love. Like I closed Drew. I think, you know, uh, earlier today I was doing a podcast with the NHL fantasy team and we we're talking about Tomas Hurdle. What, what could be a good fit for him? Oh, how, how, yeah. If Claude Drew became available, I think every team would be lining up. Now, granted, the Flyers probably have to eat some of that. Uh, but I, I honestly think it's a serious conversation that will be had, not, not, in, not only internally in your market, but elsewhere if Philadelphia – I can't stick around because I think you're so right in your handicapping of, of the Metro. Like I think at this point it's fair to say they're probably going for a wild card spot, which is going to be difficult to begin with considering we were likely to play in the first round. Yeah. And Boston has all these games in hand. They're ahead of them in points, but Boston Mm. has played such a little amount of games. You know, the funny thing is too, a couple of players that they could deal with the deadline drew obviously what of them you eat that money just to get a better return because exactly. your cap doesn't matter the remainder of this year if you're out of it and then ristolainen is another one that was a polarizing signing in philadelphia because of the analytics versus the eye test community right and mm. the, these people the eye test and analytics people love to throw down and ristolainen is one of those massively polarizing guys i think he's been he's, he's really rounded into form with this team and looked Really good for him, and, and that physical presence, definitely, they need. that's something they needed. Well, it's their identity, right? We talked about yep. the Flyers not knowing their identity. I think, you know, I think you look at the illustrious history of that organization, a guy like Ristolainen is perfect for the identity. I, I think, you know, more of the dismay was more so over the price tag, right? And the fact that they were buying on a guy who had really, really struggled and still paid a premium. Now, I, granted, I get it. He's a right-handed shooting defenseman, but I think that's where the hangup has been. And the consternation has been within Flyers Nation is just what they gave up. But, 
certainly I think it's been night and day, at least in my opinion, under AV uh, to now under Mike Yo. And I think we're starting to see Ristolan and play more to his capabilities. And uh, they're putting him in better opportunities to succeed. Um, so I- I'm intrigued to see what happens on him too, because again, you know, he's a pending UFA. Yeah. And the thing with him too, is he's not playing top pair. Now they might have to do that. If Ryan Ellis doesn't come back, I mm. mean, this Ellis thing is, I mean, he's what's the word games. on that? There's still no update. It's still week to week. I mean, they wow. need this guy so bad because it slots their D properly if he's in there. And if he's not like, I was talking with Bill Meltzer about this on the mm-hmm. daily pod today that the top pair struggling and the third pair struggling Yandel's knocking on the door of the Doug Jarvis record. But I mean, he's, he has not looked good and way too casual on pucks on the power play in yeah. the neutral zone costing two shorties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yandel's the guy they took a flyer on pun intended, I guess. Um, <laughs> and it just, Outside of running a power play, like he's very, and it's funny you bring up Ryan Ellis. It was similar to how Ryan Ellis was perceived in junior hockey, where he pretty much, I remember on the world junior team, I was there in, in Ottawa, he ran the power play and that was it. Obviously he's evolved his game. Keith Yano at this stage in his career, Jason, I think we know what he is, but when he's being that casual on the power play, you can't even count on him there, right? Yeah. If he's not contributing on the power play, it's just an absolute he's nothing. negative. Yeah. 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 And they have York, but he hasn't gotten off to the greatest start, dealt with COVID this year as well. And I I don't know, do you want to put Cam York trying to assimilate himself in the NHL with Nick Sealer as his partner or Kevin Connaughton? Not really an ideal circumstance. If you had Ryan Ellis and then you have Justin Braun on that third pair, now I'm okay with York. But with Connaughton or with, you know, a guy like Nick Sealer, I don't know if that's really the best you know, plan of attack, but you, they're going to have to come to a decision. You know, he's going to have this record for what is probably going to be a couple of weeks all said and done. If he gets healthy scratched after that, Nick, because not knocking on the door is a former Toronto Maple Leaf, former Bruin, Phil Castle, who's amazing that he's played as many games in a row as he has considering the physical stature that he looks like. I mean, he looks like he just rolled out of a teak on a 10 day bender, but he's knocking on the door as well. He could end up with the, the record for consecutive games played, uh, by the time this season's over. Oh, yeah, he's frozen. We'll see if he jumps back in. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you look at a guy like Kessel who has played, I think, 30 less games in a row than Gandel. So it, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. And The amazing thing would be to get this record after dealing with COVID and to not have gone into COVID protocol. We'll knock on wood so that Yance doesn't end up in COVID protocol. I think the record is a big deal. And it's amazing that a defenseman can play that many games in a row in the NHL. It's absolutely stunning, but uh, he's done it. Let let me tell people before Nick jumps back in uh, about our great sponsor, Park Sportsbook. They present Stick to Hockey Live. They present the Odd G's podcast with myself and Harry Mays. We'll have another brand new episode coming up tomorrow. And new customers right now, if you sign up, you get a $500 risk-free bet just for signing up. Very simple, easy to use, no, no promo code required, just deposit and if you lose your first bet, it's risk-free up to $500. So make sure you check it out. Follow Parks on the social media channels, at Parks Sportsbook on Twitter, on Instagram, Facebook, and all the different areas, YouTube. And you get great content there. You'll get daily specials and much more. There's actually not a lot of games going on tonight. Let's bring up the Parks app here because it's a light card in the NHL. And we'll have Tone coming up on Thursday uh, for Tone's takes, and he's been hitting really well. He's doing great. Uh, but uh, tonight, just one game on the NHL card. 
We've got the Rangers in action tonight, hosting Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers. And when you look at this game tonight, it is the Rangers, or actually Edmonton is favored, minus 125 in the game tonight. Uh, but the same game parlays on this one. You can take uh, the, the Oilers in a three-way money line combo, all kinds of different stuff. So check it out uh, on the Park Sportsbook app. We got Nick back right now. Nick, uh, last thing for you, Nick, too. Sorry about that. Um, I appreciate you jumping back in. Um, fantasy, you're a huge fantasy guy. I'm in it this year, and it's impossible with guys going out on protocol and games being postponed. It's been really difficult to deal with. How are you handicapping this? Yeah, it's 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 been something else. I mean, it goes without saying when it when you look at the grand scheme of this fantasy season in general. Um, <laughs> I'm just playing it a day at a time. Patience is a virtue. I mean, I think at this point in time, that's all you can do, uh, especially if you're in your you're in standard, you know, Yahoo leagues where it's week to week. I think you just have to move forward the best you can. But I, I think the best thing to happen over the la- last little while, and maybe it will provide a bit of roster relief, is the fact that the isolation period has changed because yeah. I just felt like this is going to be a closer to normal fantasy season and it's been uh, nowhere close. So trying to write about fantasy hockey has been a bit of a struggle, but we're doing our best. We'll say that. <laughs> yeah. And it's weird because like if you're depending on a guy and you set your lineup, it, pending your, you know, your league's rules, if you set your lineup for an entire week, you have no one day into that, that guy could be gone for the entire week and the team's got four games and you're like, Oh man, I got this other guy on my bench. That's absolutely shredding. Like kind of well, like, yeah, what like I that's had- the thing too, when it comes to, um, you know, it comes to obviously, um, you know, the fact that you can have IR and IR plus available to you, yeah. right? Like that, that's, that's the big thing too. If you have that availability and, and to be able to have guys, uh, you know, on and off your roster, I think it's a lot, it's a lot different. Yeah, I mean, I had Markstrom on the bench for the first, like, two weeks of the season. And Jacob Markstrom, I'm like, what am I doing? This guy's shutting mm-hmm. everybody out. I, I had uh, Bennington in there. And he didn't get off to the greatest start. But, yeah, it's it's been complicated, to say the least. Um, last thing for you, I, I want to ask you about the Rangers. They legit? I think they are. Um, I don't know if, about the depth up front. I think a lot, obviously, weighs heavily on Artemi Panarin. Mika Zibanejad's on one of those infamous heaters right now. Ryan Strom is in a contract year. But again, to get back to the conversation, Adam Fox and Igor Shostorkin, who I think Shostorkin at this point in time, despite missing time, has to be on the inside track uh, for the Vesna Trophy. So I think any team with, with legitimate and a bona fide number one the way they have and one of the best defensemen on the planet right now, I think they're legit. And then... Up front, obviously, are Tammy Panarin. So I, I just wonder, can they get the depth scoring you need to be successful come playoff time? And to that, unfortunately, they're relying on some younger type players, Capo Caco, Alexi Lafreniere. Uh, it's unfortunate Sammy Blay, who they picked up in the offseason in the Buchnevich deal, is done for the season. So you want to talk about under-the-radar type teams that probably looking for depth in their top six, maybe like a hurdle, I think has to be the New York Rangers. But I do think they're legit. And... It still leads me to wonder how Gerard Gallant was unemployed that long, eh? Yeah, I mean, geez, <laughs> it's happened in three Florida, then Vegas, and now yeah. he's with the Rangers. And he's like the Mark Andre Fleury of coaching. Yeah, you know? <laughs> he, just, he just wins everywhere he goes. You know, the, the funny thing, like I could see that the guy that makes sense, Hurdle makes a ton of sense for them because yeah. they need center help too. Yeah, and True. that's the one that they got a ton on the wing. They just don't have a, a ton up the middle, and they could grab a guy like I mean, he's gonna he's gonna be a steep price. Mm-hmm. Because the the center market and get it, and he's got a year after this as well, so you get two runs with him, which I think is a big big element of his as well. 
Nick, this was awesome, and I appreciate it. We'll be reading your stuff on sportsnet.ca, uh, all the fantasy stuff there, and we'll be listening to you and, and tracking all your different uh, content creations as we all do nowadays. Thanks for doing this from the home studio. I appreciate it. We'll talk soon. My uh, my apologies and uh, you know about the technical glitches. Uh, appreciate your time here. It was a lot of fun, and uh, I'm hoping the Flyers go on a bit of a run. I like this team quite a bit. Yeah, well, I'm hoping you're right and Drew stays because they're in the mix. Nick, thanks for doing this. No worries. Take care. There he is. Nick Alberga uh, joining us on this episode of the Stick to Hockey Live show uh, presented by Park Sportsbook. Great stuff. Always like talking to Nick. And you can follow him on Twitter at the Golden Muzzy. He's there and you get uh, his content there as well. Great stuff. If you're in the fantasy, does a lot of great articles. Just wrote uh, one yesterday, as a matter of fact. Um, uh, who was it on? I was just I was reading it last night. Um, I'll have to dig it up. But he does a great job covering all the fantasy stuff as well and hosted Lease Lunch and, and post-game shows for the Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, did a good job on that as well. So we appreciate his time. And everybody, make sure you get the Parks Sportsbook app. And I uh, just had it up and, you know, looking at some of the plays for tonight in this Ranger game. You got the Rangers tonight, Panarin and the Rags hosting Connor McDavid. Now, McDavid was not at the morning skate, but apparently he's going to play. So that's a good thing. Uh, so you got McDavid on Broadway tonight. That's going to be a big matchup. That That's a card tonight with McDavid in New York taking on the Rangers. That's worthy of a one-game NHL card for the evening. So we'll take that. Flyers will be back at it tomorrow night to take on Anaheim, which I think is a – I've termed it as a critically important game for the Flyers to come back from the road trip having had a successful trip and then to play the next six of eight at Wells Fargo Center including Thursday's game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. It'll be the first visit of the Penguins to Philadelphia this year. Flyers played them in Pittsburgh a couple weeks ago. I guess about about six weeks ago at this point and lost in overtime on that Latang wraparound. Flyers were supposed to play in Pittsburgh uh, December 23rd, but that game obviously was postponed along with the Washington game that week. Carter Hart back, Scott Lawton back. And no new players have been added to the COVID protocol list. So maybe the Flyers getting some reinforcements. We'll find out about Ryan Ellis soon enough. But uh, if you want to get futures actions in on the Flyers, on uh, any players, player performances, games, you, you name it, make sure you download the Spark Sportsbook app. Use it and get on there and check out all the different in-game betting options you can do on player performances and much more. Same game parlays, as I mentioned. And you get that $500 risk-free bet as well. No promo code required. Just sign up, and if you lose, you get your money back. In site credit, a $500 first-time reward for you. And follow them on Twitter, at Park Sportsbook. Follow them and subscribe on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook as well. You'll get great content and daily specials. All right, that's going to put a wrap on this episode of Park Sportsbook Presents Stick to Hockey Live. We'll have another one for you coming up on Thursday. So look out for that. And uh, if you are listening on iTunes, make sure you hit that subscribe button, leave us a rating and review. We always appreciate that as well. And that helps other uh, hockey fans find this content. We appreciate everybody listening. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next time right here on Park Sportsbook Presents Stick to Hockey Live. You need my love, baby, oh so bad. You're not the only one I've ever had. And if I say I want to set you free, Oh, you'll be a miserable